0: And then there was one. There is one game left in the eight-man football season. That, of course, being the state championship game. And there is one team left from our coverage area in the 11-man ranks. That, of course, being Lena Winslow. No surprise there. Mitch, a lot of great games last week, but some heartbreak, but still a lot to talk about here moving forward.
1: Yeah, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of tough losses for some teams that we, we covered, that we had a lot of fun covering this season. Uh, but that's, that's the enjoyment of the playoffs. So, yeah, looking forward to recapping what we saw and looking ahead here to the final couple weeks. Well, no more time to waste. Let's get into it.
0: Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's a night you go out and just take one more step. Four, two, three, it's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, here we go. Our numbers are dwindling in the teams that we have left competing in the 8-man and the 11-man divisions here. A lot of great football, but... Man, it's that time of year. Heartbreak is around every turn here.
1: Yeah, we, we saw a lot of our teams being matched up against some of the premier programs, not only this year, but in, in Illinois history. So, you know, it, it was fun for these matchups. Um, our, our teams have, summer teams have nothing to be ashamed of. They, they played great all year. They played great in their playoff games. Just came up a little short. But uh, yeah, Lee Wynn is the, the one that stands alone. And as they try and make it to yet another state championship.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, no surprise that the team left still talking about in the state semifinals and potentially moving into the state championship game. It's the same team that's been there the last couple of years we've been doing this podcast. It's Lena Winslow. So, uh, you know, looking forward to talking about their matchup, but we'll of course look back on the quarterfinal matchups that were, Like we've said, some heartbreak, but we'll talk about those teams, talk about the amazing seasons they had, and of course, we're going to jump right into the eight-man state championship game between Amboy and Ridgewood. So two teams from our coverage area, we've been talking about them all year long, Mitch, they square off in a state championship game, so I'm excited to talk about that one for sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt, a lot of excitement here in eight-man as we get our first kind of taste of state championship football. of of the year there at Monmouth College so yeah a lot of excitement there too well before we get into the discussion you know who we got to thank Mitch we got to go to Kiwani for this one Greg tonight's episode is brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms apparel equipment awards and even the online team stores They provide all the same sporting goods services that the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround. And their uniform pricing is just a fraction of the cost that you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at BreedloveSports.com. Or you can shoot CalBreedLove an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mitch, with the season winding down here, Christmas right around the corner, if you're looking for that perfect gift for your high school football player, we encourage everyone to check out Matthewson's mini helmets. They offer totally custom mini helmets or decals for your school. Find them on Facebook or on Twitter. Mitch, did you see uh, this week? The Bureau Valley got some Matthewsons mini
1: helmets customized. They look sharp. They look good. Yeah, they sure did. All, all the uh, he's been posting a lot of uh, some of his recent his recent work, his recent orders. But yeah, that BB one looked great. Yep, it is. It is award season too. It's banquet season, Mitch. So
0: I'm sure some teams have them ready to go to hand out on right. banquet night. So uh, that's a perfect gift for, like we said. your high school football player for your program again check out matthewson's mini helmets on facebook or on twitter and if you like what we're doing here you can head to paypal you can help us out any way that you can paypal.me slash view from west pod again paypal.me slash view from west pod we appreciate any support you can give us whether it's through a monetary Uh, donation through paypal or just spreading the word telling people what you like what you're hearing spreading the love on twitter you know retweeting the episodes let people know what you're listening to of course you can also find view from the west podcast on youtube we have game highlights we have full episodes there we also have classic highlights from years past we also have links to all of the uh, state championship broadcasts the ihsa archives has posted over the years. So it's always a fun way to look back on the teams from our area that have been in state championships in the glory days and watch those full IHSA broadcasts that Mitch, you and I were probably watching as little kids in our living rooms on a, on a Friday morning after Thanksgiving. I know that that was, uh, still is a, uh, appointment and, and, and viewing.
1: St- yeah. And still do as a 35
0: year old. All right. Well, Mitch, before we jump into the IHSA playoffs and look back at the state quarterfinals, and look ahead at the semifinal matchups. I think tonight, we absolutely have to start in eight-man football. We are now one week away. Within a week's time, we're going to be crowning an eight-man state champion at Monmouth College on Friday night. It's going to be either Amboy or Ridgewood. Ridgewood, the nine seed, will take on the number two seed, Amboy Clippers, both teams from our local coverage area. So, Mitch, this is really exciting stuff. We always you know, have usually have had a team for our area. Most years we're, you know, fortunate to have both the teams from our local coverage area in this eight man division. Right. And again, this year in the state championship game, you got two teams that we know a lot about. It's going to be exciting.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Friday night there in Monmouth, as always, I just looked at the weather. It's going to be cold. Um, seems to be freezing cold there every, yeah. <laughs> every state championship game. So yeah, this is great. Um, we've known what Amboy's been, you know, for two years now. Certainly this year, they've, they've really have looked unstoppable. And for Ridgewood, you've been really high on them all season, Greg. They come in at the ninth seed, but they, they battle their way all the way to this game. So I, you'll have to answer this question for me. Did, did they play in the regular season or no?
0: Uh, they played Amboy in the regular season, and it was a two-point game, I believe. Or it was maybe a four-point game. It was really close. Uh, We'll have to look that up in a second here. But they gave Amboy one of their best games of the year. Fell a little bit short. I believe it was at the Cambridge Bowl. Yeah, Amboy was on the road. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Let's look back to the state semifinals in eight-man. It was Amboy getting the win 40-6 to over Polo. Clippers had the hot hand in this one early on Saturday afternoon. They're, of course, getting the win, heading back to the state championship game for the second straight year They jump out quick in this one, scoring on their first four possessions and a stout defensive effort to lead the way. The Clippers surmounted a massive lead early and never looked back. Long drives played a huge part in this one as Amboy was able to overcome some poor field position with drives of 90 and 99 yards in the first 20 minutes of the game. So great effort all the way around here by this Amboy defense or Amboy offense and Amboy defense, they can hit you with some big plays, but clearly they can establish themselves and move the ball downfield and kind of, you know, slowly, methodically pick away at you.
1: Right. They, they've kind of shown that all year that they, they really jump on opponents early. They, they did it in this one. I think, I think Polo fumbled on the first play of the game and Amboy ended up scoring on that. So, but then you see, like you just mentioned, long sustained drives of of 90 99 yards they just they've been so good um defensively as you mentioned a stout effort polo got into the red zone um uh, i think four times in the first half but they all came short Um, yeah and so again this is kind of similar to how the game was played in the regular season you know polo had a great a great great season uh, Amboy just appears to be the Achilles heel for a lot of teams, and, and Polo's included. So, um, you know, Landon Wetzel Wich- in this game had 224 yards. We we see a lot of those performances this season. Uh, uh, Brennan Blaine, receptions for 175 yards and two scores. Quarterback Quinn Luffelman added three scores on the ground. So, um, yeah, this was a a really, really good game for Amboy, as, as most games this season have been for them As uh, they get back to the state championship game and see if they can't win one this year.
0: Yeah, I mean we were really high on Amboy a year ago when they made it to the title game, but we did even at the time think that that felt like West Central's year. I mean, everything, all the pieces seemed to be in place for them to get that win in the state title game, which they did. But man, when you looked at that Amboy roster, it was hard to not think. that they, you know, weren't going to make it back with only graduating one senior, a very talented senior in Lindemeyer, but everybody else is back and they, they've really, they've lived up to all the expectations. They're, they're back in the state championship game. And now, you know, take that one final step. You know, this is a Clippers team that clearly one of their goals was not just to get here. It's, it's to win it this year. And they're they're right on the doorstep of doing that. Mitch, before we wrap up the talk for Polo, We got to talk about Brock Soto and his career. What a, I mean, outstanding career. Uh, You know, a kid we've talked about week in and week out for the past several years, almost the whole existence of this podcast. Every week we're talking about this kid. Right. So exciting to watch and such a great, you know, playmaker and leader for this polo team. Give us the rundown on the numbers here. They're, they're remarkable.
1: Yeah. I mean, probably one of the best players in eight man history that we've talked about really, when you look at what, what he's done. Um, So so he had 115 yards in in this game to to cap off his career, which includes over 6,600 total yards. Um, That is including right around 5,400 yards rushing and 104 total touchdowns. So, uh, again, I, I don't know how you don't put that career up with the best in, in eight man history. So um, huge part of, of this Marco's team past couple of years, be big shoes to fill, but you know, congratulations to Brock on, on an incredible career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You said it there. It's just, he's been a lot of fun to talk about every week and obviously has led this polo program, you know, to great, to great heights here in the eight man ranks. So Certainly going to miss seeing him on, on Friday nights, you know, covering him, talking about him, but uh, congratulations on a great career. Uh, Dilo Fernandez also played well for Polo in this one. He led the team with 129 yards, and I believe he had a touchdown late in this game. Um, yep. Obviously didn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, it got Polo on the board in this one. They weren't shut out. But overall, you know, it's it's Polo, or it's it's Amboy here. It's, you know, yep. it's it's Amboy season. They're marching on to the state championship game. Now the team waiting for them, the Ridgewood Spartans, the Spartans advanced to the eight man state championship game for the first time in program history, huge crowd on hand in Martinsville. That's a four hour trip, but Ridgewood really, you know, showed well, they, they really like, Mm -hmm. you know, they brought the fans there brought a great atmosphere
1: into what proved to be a really good football game between the Spartans and uh, Martinsville. Yeah, and this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is only uh, the Spartans' second year in existence in 8-Man, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So, yeah, they, they've found success rather quickly. But, yeah, this was a great battle. Two really good teams um, going at it all afternoon. It was tied 14-14 at halftime. Um, going into the third, Martinsville scored a couple times. Ridgewood scored once. It was 26-20 going into the fourth. And you fast-forward all the way down to two minutes and 20, 26 seconds remaining. Uh, Riley Couture finds the end zone on a one-yard QB sneak to tie the game at 26. And then it was Roy Sandberg who punched his way in for the two-point conversion to give Ridgewood their first lead since the first quarter, and uh, that would end up being the game, There, 28-26. to Sandberg finished with 226 yards rushing with three touchdowns along with a pair of two-point conversions. Riley Couture had 104 yards passing and added that game-winning touchdown rush. 330 rushing yards on the day for the Spartans.
0: Yeah, I I was kind of monitoring this one back and forth, monitoring the score. And then I went back and watched some of the highlights uh, last night. Man, I was really impressed with both teams. A really well-played football game, really hard-fought game. I think this might be Martinsville's best game of the year. They played a great football game. And even, you know, Coach Elder, in talking to him last night, he said that, you know, This really, he credited Martinsville for how well they played. And it really came down to a couple plays that make all the difference, you know, and that's the, that's the great part and the heartbreaking part of playoff football is that, you know, a few plays here or there can determine if you're moving on or if your season's over. So, you know, talking to coach elder, he was really impressed with his kids composure in this one that, you know, they battled throughout and even in the fourth quarter, when they were down six and times winding down He said their offense, you know, did just enough in this one, found it, you know, made the clutch plays when they needed to. And uh, on the defensive side of the ball, he talked about Owen Anderson and Sean Watt being difference makers. Anderson had a key sack on the final Martinsville possession of the game. And Watt had a clutch interception during this one. So great effort on both sides of the ball. But defensively, they came up with the stops when they needed to. And offensively, you know, you get the job done in the fourth quarter when when things are clutch. Time's winding down, so great season here for the Ridgewood Spartans as they find themselves in a state championship game.
1: Yeah, going um, to be a lot of fun there on Friday night between two really good teams. Um, who, as we you know just mentioned that they, uh, I think it was a six point game. Looks like it was forty eight to forty two. Um, that was, that was a tight game. It was 20 to yep. 14 and a half for, for the Clippers. Um, and, again, we, we talked about how Ridgewood played them the best this season. They're going to have to do it again. Amboy has – really, that was about the only time that Amboy has really been tested. They haven't been slowed down. I mean, they, they still scored 48 in that game. That, that offense is really, really good. So, you have to keep up with them. Um, they certainly did it in – in their regular season game and Ridgewood has shown that they have a really really dynamic offense there with, uh, with Couture and with Sandberg. So it's partly you have to match Amboy blow for blow, but you got to come up with some defensive stops somewhere. Well, I think a big part of this game will be right away in the first quarter.
0: Right. I think Ridgewood's got to come up with some stops and get a little bit of momentum on their side early. And I think when, you know, Coach Elder talked about, the offense doing what they needed to do to get the job done. I think they got a strike early in this one, or at least be able to sustain some drives and hold the ball for a little while, not let that Amboy, you know, offense really grind you down and just, you know, hold the ball forever uh, on their side of the Mm -hmm. ball or really hit you hard with a big play to take an early lead and jump all over you. I think, uh, you know, that, that Amboy team really jumped out, quick against polo and it was never really a game and i think that you know that's if they if they build that confidence and build that momentum early i think that this is a team that could run away with it now if you slow them down and you make them think a little bit and you know you kind of really throw it at them early maybe you keep it close and they know in the back of their mind that it was a six six point game in the regular season i think that goes a long way early in this first first quarter of this game
1: yeah i think so too um just a programming note, and we'll certainly throw this out there uh, beforehand or even on Friday. The link's already up. The game will be broadcast on YouTube, so um, as it is every year, they do a great job there with the production. So we'll make sure that this link is sent out to everybody. Um, As I mentioned, it's already live on on YouTube, as it says, live in in three days. So um, Perfect. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun. It's a fun game to watch. If you've never watched eight-man football or if you have a very limited knowledge of it, this is a great way to get into it since one is the state championship and two it's televised and easy, easily accessible. So, um, encourage everyone who again, maybe hasn't had an interest in it or just has never seen it. Check the game out. It's a lot of fun. It's a different style, but it's still really, really competitive, fun football. And, uh, you can catch it on YouTube. So it'll be great.
0: Yeah. I love seeing the hype, you know, surrounding these small communities, you know, when you're talking about, you know, Amboy, Lamoille and Ohio, I know last year, Uh, Kevin Hieronymus did a story about kind of how those three communities were really rallied around this football team. And it it had been a long time since they had been playing for a state championship out in Amboy. And then on the Ridgewood Spartan side of things to see this, you know, you know, this energy and this excitement around that Cambridge community and that Alwood community, you know, they, they haven't, you know, been playing for state championships, you know, so this is, Mm you know, great for them at the eight man ranks to kind of have this exposure and kind of have this experience for the players, certainly, but for everybody, you know, around the community, they kind of have this excitement to be a part of. And being in Monmouth, it should be a great crowd, right? Both schools fairly oh, yeah. nearby, same as last year's, you know, uh, game was. So that, that's a lot of excitement there. So yeah, looking forward to watching it. I like watching this one every year. All right. Well, Mitch, let's jump into class 1A. Lena Winslow, the number one seed in the north half of the bracket, gets the win 30 to nothing over Anawan Weathersfield. As we said, they're the lone survivor here in our local coverage area when we're talking about 11-man football. The Panthers advance to their sixth consecutive 1A semifinal appearance. Every year we've been doing this podcast, Mitch, we've been talking about Lena Winslow at this time of year. So no surprise that they're back here again. But interesting the way this game played out. They win another big yeah. game, but it really kind of played out a little bit differently. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, it, it didn't play out the way that I anticipated it to go at all. Um, I, I I thought, here here's the thing. I I assumed that Lena would win this game, but I, I definitely thought that Anil and Weathersfield presented a challenge to them because the way that they had played all season, the way that the Titans were physical up front, you've got a physical rushing attack. That's, that's something that, you know, you can attack any team with, including Lena Winslow. And I continue to be proved wrong after all these years, because this, this Lena Winslow program is just so ready for every challenge that comes their way. And they're just such a disciplined, good football team. Um, So we mentioned that the, the, the way this game went was complete, completely different from last week, last week, Forsen had the ball for over 30 minutes and didn't score any, you know, not, not I don't remember yeah. how many points they scored, but, um, you know, Lena Winslow only had the ball for 15 minutes and scored 45. So this week, and again, I don't, I'm not on the coaching staff. I don't know if this was part of the plan here. If it was, it was incredibly smart. 32 minutes of, of possession for Lena Winslow in this one. Sustained drives, kept that on Weathersfield offense off the field. Uh Gage Dunker had 36 carries in this game, 196 yeah. yards. Um, he scored all four of the Panthers touchdowns. Coburn Lynch, uh, he added 118 yards on 19 carries as well. So, but again, you you have that sort of offensive strategy of time management, long drives. But when that Panther defense was on the field, boy, did they dominate. They held Anaheim and Withersfield to just 63 yards of offense and five first downs. So um, an offense that I think was over 40 points a, new, a number of weeks in a row. Yeah. Was completely shut down by this Panther defense.
0: Well, and they never really – the Titans were never really able to march down into Lee Wynn territory, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they – they pretty much were limited to their own side of the field on offense. So, I mean, just a great effort from this Lena Winslow team that continues to impress, you know, week in and week out. Mitch, I don't know if you listen to, I know you used to, the Solid Verbal. This is a game, the Solid Verbal College Football Podcast. This is a game that they would have called a crockpotting, where it's just a slow, it's a slow burn all day, you know, that there were no... I mean, from what I can tell, I don't think there were any like huge big plays from Lee win and they certainly didn't jump out huge early on. I think they were only winning 16, nothing at halftime.
1: Yes. I think that's right.
0: Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was just kind of a slow burn all day where they just slowly kind of kept building that lead. They were never really in danger, but they didn't, they didn't blow the doors off this one early on.
1: Right. Yeah. And and speaking, speaking of Dan and Ty, uh, We unfortunately saw the other side of this, and we'll talk about these games later. Uh, some boat races, unfortunately, but this was, yeah, as you said, uh, this is a crockpot type of game, and that's just—I mean, that's what Lena Winslow does, right? They just—it's just a slow. I mean, I don't—I don't mean to say that it's a slow attack because they—they they don't play that way, but they just wear you down. Well, that's they what just, I think is, imp- yeah. Yeah. It's, they just take it out of you. They, you just cannot get into a rhythm against them. And again, as I mentioned earlier, they're just so disciplined of a football team. Yep. It's hard to get going. Um, and when you play a style similar to, to Lena Winslow, right They're it's like, they're even more equipped to stop that. So again, it, it's, it's a tough draw for anybody to come up against Lena Winslow. Um, doesn't take anything away from anyone Withersfield's season really loved the way that they played this year i was i was high on them from the beginning of the season yep with what they've got coming back i'm gonna be high on them again coming into next year so you know this is this was a great great season for anyone withersfield and uh, another great season for lena winslow that continues to roll on
0: yeah zeb ratchet is back for his for another year next year and that seems like he's been around forever. We've we've been saying his yep. name for, you know, it seems like five years. And, uh, you know, he's back again next year as a senior. So, yeah, any – I mean, if you have that kind of talent in your backfield, you're going to be in the mix to win some football games and compete for, a you know, a conference title. I I believe that. So, yeah, this yep. Anawan-Weathersfield team will be back in the mix again next year. And, you know, obviously, yeah, like you said, getting back to Lena Winslow, I think what impresses me is that, yeah, they can – they can beat you in a variety of ways, right? They can they can hit you with the big strike. They can you know bounce off tackles and go for a fifty yard touchdown run, or they can slowly march downfield, control the clock, and just really ground and pound. And that line is just going to bulldoze its way into the end zone. I think it's just impressive. They can do they can beat you in a variety of ways, and that, that you know that's the best way to say it. I think, and it's it's yeah. impressive. It just continues to impress. So they will go on the road to hope Academy in the state semifinals in class one, a hope Academy gets the win over Rova Williams field. 57 to seven Mitch. You saw most of this one. I was watching along with it for a little while flipping back and forth between this one and uh, Princeton, but man, tell me what you saw here from uh, hope Academy. They, the score is impressive.
1: Yeah. Um, they were they were pretty dynamic on on both sides of the ball on Saturday. Um, Robert Williamsfield ended up scoring first, and I, I think I texted you at that time that man they they really drove the ball pretty well. I think it was an eighty five yard drive. Uh, yeah, Brian and I Burks I went back and watched them.
0: the re- I went back and watched the replay, yeah. and yeah, you were absolutely right. Yeah, they, they marched downfield first, and you really thought like okay if they can establish themselves like that, this is gonna be you know
1: this is gonna be a good game for them. Right, and then they, they even got the, – the Cougar defense even got Chicago Hope to a fourth down on, on their first drive, and it ended up being like a 40-yard toss into the end zone from Eddie Jenkins Jr., and it was caught for a touchdown. And that's, that's how things went from that point on. Um, and that was, you know, that was a wild
0: play too yeah. because the Cougars defense had him trapped in the backfield. He scrambles back about 15 yards and escapes yeah. the pressure. And like you said, just throws one, just launches one deep. And the guy is just out of reach of the defender falls right in mm-hmm. his lap. I mean, it heck of a throw. I mean, just unbelievably athletic play for a a play that looked broken and they, you know, made something out of nothing. And we saw that again later. Keep, t- I mean, keep telling us about it. Cause I, you know, I saw some of the highlights. It was, it was impressive.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it didn't get any better for, for the Cougars after that. Uh, again, they were Cope was just so good on, on both sides of the ball. They ended up forcing four turnovers on the day. There was, there was a pick six included in there. I mean, it was at, at, at this point in the game, it was 29 to seven, and this was right before half. And this was just, an example of how good Eddie Jenkins jr is and the type of player that he is and the type of player that Lena Winslow is going to have to defend. They are deep in their own territory. I mean, there is no time remaining and he's bouncing around back there. Doesn't see anything and, and decides to take off. He just, we tweeted out the video. I can't even describe it. Like it's, it's such a great play that he's, he's running down the sideline. He's, he's, he's juking. He's, he's getting out of tackles. He's running on the complete opposite side of the field gets all the way inside the 10 jukes out and breaks a couple more tackles and jumps into the end zone as time had already expired by then. And it was just like, what, what can you do? I mean, how do you, how do you stop something like that? It's it's just crazy. And they've, they've been doing this all year. It's, it's a super athletic team um, that just, you know, they had a really great – I think you mentioned it too, right? It, a team like that, you almost got to hope for poor conditions to slow them down a little bit. But it was a great – a great day there in Oneida. Um, and their their abilities really shine. So, Hope got the, the big win here. Um, it, you know, our, our Cougars, Greg, We we talked a lot about them all year. We really enjoyed covering this team – but um, they've got a lot of guys coming back. This is this is a good stepping stone, I think, for that program. And uh, much as we've talked about, you know, Weathersfield kind of being an early contender for that that LLC title, uh, the Cougars are going to be right there, no question about it.
0: Yeah. Before we wrap up the talk on the Cougars and, you know, congratulate them on a great season here, Mitch, I also want to give a shout out to Grant Goldstrand, head coach of the Cougars. He wrote us a handwritten note handwritten letter that we got in the mail a few weeks ago to thank us for our coverage to just you know show his support for the podcast and just let it Mm -hmm. let let us know how much the coverage means to him and to the community and to his players you know and the program in general so I gotta say a handwritten note you know goes a long way it just it meant a lot and it's really cool so you know yes congratulations to the Cougars fun team to follow. And, you know, we'll be following them next year and for years to come,
1: you know, the way that they're competing and in the mix here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, we, we really appreciate that support from, from that community, but that support for the team really shined in this game too, after the game. And I, I think they do this after every single game, but even after a, a tough playoff loss, a season ending loss, you know, the fans are lined up along the perimeter of the field to congratulate the players and again, as I mentioned, it's a great season to be very, very proud of. Um, so uh, the community held them up. No question about that. So really cool. Really cool to see.
0: Yep. Um, Mitch, we talk a lot on this podcast about local journalism, supporting local yep. journalism. We uh, subscribe to Peoria Journal Star. I, I've actually you know, read Peoria Journal Star for years. They have a great mm-hmm. sports coverage. They have a great sports staff and that that newspaper has continued to be supported over the years. How's this for some local journalism, Adam Duvall, yep. a great follow on Twitter, by the way, a sports reporter for the Peoria journal star. Here was a quote from his article, a cool and breezy yet sunny fall day brought out the RW faithful in masses. Future Cougars played football as the distant aroma of pork chops floated through the air Lawn chairs and blankets covered nearly every inch of available grass, bringing people three and four deep looking for the program's first semifinal birth. Nothing screams Americana more than small towns supporting their high school football team, man. I I love it. I love it. It's, it's so well-written such a great, you know, great way to encapsulate, what is a beautiful day to watch football at bill adams field in oneida
1: right you don't even have to have been there to from from those words and how that how that paragraph is is structured right you you don't even have to have been there to picture that in your head right it's so it's so well written um and you know talking about the aroma like you you can sense that even when you're not there so yeah AI is not going to write that ever. So <laughs> we we appreciate that that journalism because that's the that's the type of things that we're we're seeing, you know, get get eliminated from from sports departments. So yeah, good on good on uh, the the period Journal Star for the great coverage. Adam Devall for the great great quote there, and um, again, gives you a sense of of what that program means to that community. And so this was. Great season, uh, regardless of the outcome.
0: Yeah. It, he says it, but the last sentence to me says everything. Nothing screams Americana more than small towns supporting their high school team. To me, like people say, why do you go out and cover high school football every Friday night and Saturdays in the fall? Man. That's it. That sentence right there is why I do it. I just, oh, see, it I, is.
1: I thought it was the distant aroma of pork chop. <laughs> That too,
0: I cover for okay. both
1: reasons, but yeah, it's, like it's, like, it's like one A and one B type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get it.
0: exactly. All right, well, Mitch, when we look through the bracket here, yep. we got Lena Winslow and Hope Academy. Lena Winslow goes on the road for this one to Chicago to face Hope Academy. I'll, I'll go to you first. What does yep. what does Lee? What's the keys for Lee win? What are they focused on this week in practice to ensure that they jump out in this one and get the win?
1: Well, we, we said said the preview for this game uh, with with Robert Williamsfield that if, if you want to stop this team, you got to stop Jenkins Jr. and that's that's it. You you gotta not saying that's it. What I mean is yep. Um, that's really going to disrupt their their plan. I think you know if you give him time in the pocket, he's going to make a play whether with his with his legs or he's going to throw it because they like to throw the ball. That's the thing. Um, so you got you got to stay disciplined on defense. You got to not only key on a couple of their guys, um, Kai Smith, Jamari West. But again, you can't get too far out of position either, because if Jenkins takes off, then he's going to make up a bunch of yards. So if if there is a team that's equipped to do that, it's Lena Winslow. Um, you know, Chicago Hope has a really big and talented line. Something like that might overcome all the teams that they've played so far this year. I don't think that that's an advantage going up against a Lena Winslow team because I think they can match it, um, and they might be quicker than that line is. So, again, if you can get to Jenkins to get him uncomfortable, it's going to go a long way. But also, another way to avoid that is to do exactly what they did against Anoan Weathersfield, and that's to chew the clock. Again, yeah, they are equipped to do that they they can absolutely do that. So feed dunker, feed Lynch, feed all of their players. All afternoon, keep the ball, get in the end zone and get out. So, you know, maybe coach Aaron and the staff have a completely different idea on how they how they are going to approach this game. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about in terms of strategy, <laughs> especially with Lee Win, right? They they could get you from so many different ways the way that you were talking about. So, but just looking at how Chicago Hope played against robert williamsfield it's a dynamic a dynamic team a lot of skill players a lot of speed um and so it'll be an interesting matchup i think for for lena winslow yeah what i'm kind of watching
0: for in this one mitch you saw it because you watched a lot of this game too was hope did a great job of never really letting riley danner settle back in the pocket and 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 find his receivers you know he was having to throw kind of under distress or even on the run, trying to get out of the way. But obviously this Lena Winslow team is going to present a much different offense, right? Their linemen are going to be coming straight at you. You know, they're running the ball right at you. And they're going to look to knock you over and create that hole for Gage Dunker to run through or Cobra Lynch, you know? So they're not going to be going back into pass protection where, you know, these hope, you know, linemen, can really use their speed and agility to get to get to the quarterback. They're going to have to be ready to be, you know, go, go blow for blow against this Lena right. Winslow line, which is really good at what they do.
1: Yeah. I don't, I I doubt the Panthers have a single play in shotgun formation in their playbook. They don't need it. Nope. Um, so yeah. Th- and this is, again, this goes back to how Lena Winslow beats you is that it's just a slow burn of wearing you down. So um again, this this could be one of the more skillful teams that they've played, but again, that and that we'll talk about this here in a game coming up. That doesn't always win you ball games. You have to be a disciplined team. The moment can't be too big, right? That this is the furthest that Chicago Hope's ever been. Um, this is no, this is not new to territory for Lena Winslow, even on the road, you know. So this should be a fun matchup. Uh, again, we're, we're fans of the Hope program. We love what they're doing there. Um, and we'll, we'll see uh, again, looking forward to Saturday afternoon there to see if Lena Winslow can make it to yet another state championship game and to see how they uh, kind of match up here with another big test.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a Hope program that's been in the conversation for the past several years. We we've talked about them a little bit. And I want to say that even back at the start of the season, I think when we had edgy Tim on the podcast, I think he mentioned to watch out for hope Academy that he thought that this year Mm -hmm. might be that year where, you know, they could win some games, you know, come playoff time and really look the part. And they have, they, they've proven it here. They're in the semifinals.
1: Yeah. And I was just going to say, look, they, they played forest in last year, right. And got, yeah. And got whooped pretty good. 44, 16, but that was last year's team. That's different. Even going back the year before they lost to a a St. B team. So, if you're just looking at, at playoffs, their history in the past last couple of years, it's not great, but that has nothing to do with this particular team. So no. all that adversity adversity that they've, they've faced the last two years has only made them better this year. And we're seeing that on the field. So this will be hope's biggest test. I have no question about that. Yeah. Um, in, in the, in the three-time defending state champions. So yeah, let's, let's line them up and see, uh, see what happens on Saturday.
0: Yeah. I think it helps. Um. You know, hope is, Better off being at home, obviously. You know, I mean, especially when you start talking about the, you know, amount of distance or the, you know, the differing venues here that you'd face. I think going to the three-time defending state champion, if you can avoid that, that obviously helps you out. But I think hope I will get, you know, Eddie uh, Eddie Jenkins will get his. You know, he'll score, I believe, a couple times in this one. I think he'll find some space to make some plays, but ultimately. It's like you've talked about a lot. I just think that what does it take for a defense to beat Hope? It it takes that discipline, right? And to be in the right place at the right time and you can't miss a tackle. You gotta be able to make the play and you gotta be at least wrap him up and then have somebody come in for help and get him, you know, get him knocked down. And I think that's what Lee Wynn does really well. And I think that eventually that maybe if this one's close early, or if, you know, Hope does have a few plays that Jenkins makes you know, because of his athleticism, I think eventually this Lee Win team will, you know, get the job done, but, uh, you know, excited to watch this one. And again, Lena Winslow is one win away from, uh, playing in another state championship game. So we'll see if they can get the job done Saturday at, uh, one o'clock in Chicago. Do you,
1: do you know where their field is? Um I don't know exactly. It's uh okay, I, I I'm looking at the because I mean Chicago Hope is like Chicago, Alt, Chicago. Right? Yeah, Altgeld so,
0: Park. I know that if it's the same place, Marquette Academy's played there
1: at least a couple called?
0: different times. Alt Alt-Geld Park.
1: Alt Park. I think I know how to spell A L T G E L D. I already wasn't paying attention. Um there's <laughs> there's a there's a field there's a field nearby, but again, I'm I was just I looked up where Hope was because I, tru- I truthfully didn't know what part of Chicago it was in, but there's certainly no place for a football field where they are. So yeah. Um, wherever that is. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a handful around there. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it should be, it should be good. It should be a lot of fun. Yep. All right. Well, let's head into the Southern half
0: of this one, a bracket and the game yeah. we got The game we got to talk about that got, you know, I think headlines around the state camp Point mm-hmm. central Beats Belleville Altoff Catholic 20 42 22. Mitch, a lot of people didn't see this coming, but right. there is one podcast that saw this coming. I You're said, better. I said Camp Point Central is going to get the job done. Coach Brad Dixon and the Panthers got the job done. I didn't think it would be 30 to nothing after the first quarter, but right. wow, this was an impressive win. I mean,
1: you, have you seen the highlights of that first quarter? Yeah. I watched, watched a lot of different angles of a lot of the different plays to, by, at this point. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, you know, and here, here's the thing we'll get into this a little bit more, right. That what if you call it an upset, or if we call it just, well, we'll get into that. Call it. Yeah. We'll get into that. Right. So the, the way that this first quarter went, right? If you line these two teams up 10 times, right? I'm not saying that that CPC would only win the one, but I don't know (laughs) that you would get a blocked punt, a recovered fumble on a kickoff, and then an onside kick in the first quarter in 10 of those games, right? There were, there was so much that went right for camp point central and not taking that away from the game. I'm just saying, it was so – everything lined up perfectly for them to take advantage and to jump out to a 30 nothing lead. I don't know that that would happen if you played them 10 times, but I don't – the way that they are – the way that that program is, the way that they play, I think that they reintroduce themselves to a lot of people that cover 1A football or attempt to cover 1A football. We knew that what this team could do and what they've looked like in the past. Um, But when you get those things, again, blocked punts, fumbles, onside kicks, it's only going to, you know, make this that much bigger of a game. So yeah, this was, this was great. This was again, something that you, you pointed out, I don't want to take any credit for it because you are the one who pointed it out, but um, that style of football has worked for Lena Winslow for the last, however many years it's worked for Forreston for how many years and Camp Point Central is the team that does it from the South. So this is an example of that style of football, Um, going up against maybe a faster team, maybe even a more skillful team and just completely taking it to them.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I mean, you mentioned it right there. And I, I mean, when I say this was a perfect first quarter of football, Yeah, I mean, Camp Point Central executed to perfection in the first quarter from, Mm -hmm. I mean, from the highlights I've seen and from the story, you know, from the game stories I've read, like you mentioned in the first quarter, the opening possession for Belleville-Altoff, there's a blocked punt, which ends up on the one-yard line. Camp Point Central punches it in. They immediately recover a fumbled kickoff, which mm-hmm. yeah, right right after that, the ensuing kickoff is then fumbled, and Lena or and Camp Point, I said Lena Winslow, because <laughs> yeah. they look the same and they play the same. Camp Point right. Central recovers the fumble. They score on that one. Then they end up, a, f- a few minutes later, they're up 24-0, and they go for an onside kick. And Mitch, you saw the, the way the onside kick was executed. Yeah. Talk me through it because it, it was a
1: thing of beauty. Yeah. So I don't know if they do this like on every kickoff, but, and then you've seen it. If you, if you hear me talk about this, you'll know what I'm saying. You know, the kickoff team is in a huddle. They break real fast, and run to the ball. Like they're going to just, you know, either onside it directly like that or pooch it or whatever. And you can see that the the Bellevue Altoff players in the front row kind of like they kind of gotta adjust. Well, the Panthers don't do anything with that kick, just you know, kind of fake, right? Yep. So then they stretch out into normal kickoff formation. And then they just onside it anyway. <laughs> so yep. It's it's a perfect onside kick because the, the kicker is taking his full strides and then just kind of turns his hips and swings his leg to the left. And this this kick, boy, it it bounces perfectly perfectly over a Bellevue all uh, defender. And then uh, what's his name? Jack Thompson is running. He's, he's, I think that's the gunner position all the way on the sideline. Yeah. Is just sprinting down the sideline and just catches it right in stride. It was perfect.
0: Yeah. And I, I love, I love the play call in the moment because you have all the momentum you have the crowd is going crazy there for you. And what do you do? This surprise onside kick, you march down and score again to make it 30 nothing after the first quarter. And, I mean, Altoff would get on the board later in this game, but it was too little too late. I mean, they they were yeah. completely shell-shocked in this one. I, they did not know what hit them in that first quarter.
1: Yeah, they got it to, I think, 30-16, to 16, and Altoff had kind of done the same thing. They had scored, onside kick, scored, yeah. and they got another onside kick. I think I tweeted at the time, like, uh, it's getting kind of interesting here, but yeah, um, you know the, the camp point settled down and, and took control of this one. So, um, yeah, Elijah Genenbacher, 96 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Drew Pab in 139 total yards. He's over a thousand yards on the year. So, uh, for for anyone who is wondering why we're talking about a team from the south who is not really in our coverage area, this is Lena Winslow of the South. Yeah, this is exactly Lena Winslow style of play, success, maybe not the state title, certainly that Lena Winslow has, but that capability, they've won 25 of their last 26 games now. So this is an incredibly good program. We're big fans of Coach Dixon. If, if they win their semifinal, we'll probably certainly try and talk to him before the state yep. championship. But, um, yeah, this was – again, and we'll, we're going to talk about this now, about whether this was an upset or whether it wasn't, but um, – it's, it's a great program it's a great win and again um a lot of people were doubting them no question
0: yeah uh so quincy tv area quincy coverage area so shuckman covers camp yep. point central chris Dewar covers camp point central both friends of the podcast so could we kind of adopt camp point central here just make them you know part of our podcast family
1: yeah we might as well yeah um, ab- yeah absolutely Again, with, with their we, we saw them against Lena Winslow in the yep. championship game uh two seasons ago, right? So, um, but always that team that's that has the the ability to come out of the south. Yeah, no question. I believe it was just last year. I think it was just a year ago. Was it last year? Okay.
0: I think I so. yeah. Um they run together. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so speaking of Coach Dixon, you know, needless talking to him last night, needless to say, he was thrilled with his team's execution. Their focus all week, and tell me if you you know, feel like we've talked about these points already, the team effort to overcome their size and speed. He wanted to execute on special teams, steal a mm-hmm. possession or two and convert check. some long touchdown drives and tackle.
1: So I, did. They convert a long touchdown drive. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> that was the one I wasn't sure, but check the boxes down the list there. You know, they yeah, had I'm an right interception. Right. They had an interception in the end zone. They had execution on special teams. They were tackling. And yeah, I, I just think, you know, you start looking at the what they wanted to do in this game and, and they did it. They came out and they absolutely executed. So the question before we move along here is do you consider this to be an upset? When you start looking at all of the individual talent that Altoff has on the field, this uh De'er Hill Jr., a four star recruit. He was, you know, high. I mean, he has a, had a great season. They also have a D1 recruit in Charleston Colden. His brother is currently on an NFL roster. Uh, Chris, in hearing from Chris Dewar, when he showed up, he was shocked at how big Altaf was. They have a lineman or two getting some big time D1 offers. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Altaf being in Bellevue is a much bigger metro area than almost any other 1A school, you know, that you're going to meet up against. So when you factor in all that stuff, is this considered an upset? Because there's been some debate on the on the x on the twitter
1: um no i don't think so um i think it's unexpected i maybe yeah but it's not an upset um first of all Campoy Central's central is the number one seed right yeah um they they've won 25 or 26 they've done nothing to be an underdog um And I, 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 again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with the right words because I've, I've been trying to think about this all day. But the, the short answer is no. I don't think it is. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I picked him to win. So I mean. Right. Yeah. Um. There. There's a lot. If it's if it's expectations, if it's just. Again, looking at. Here's all these star recruits and, and not taking away anything from that. That's great. Con, you know, congratulations on that. But there's way more to games than that. A lot more yep. that go into games like that. And I, I don't, I also don't want to assume that Altoff came into the game cocky. I I, I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't want to assume that if they did, well, now you know, but I don't want to assume that. So, I did see.
0: Go ahead. I I did see uh, a tell a TV report, a TV uh, story from early in the season, a, a preseason preview, and I I don't I don't I don't I don't know I don't even know if I want to bring it up, but it was said. It was it was a part of the article, okay, part of the it was part of the coverage, look, look. and the kids said. Okay. The kids said for all tough. I don't see anyone around the state that can beat us.
1: And that's, and that's fine to have confidence, right? It's yeah. fine to, yeah. to have confidence. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are, are players on every team we cover that say that every single week, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have no problem with that. And maybe they did, right? Maybe they did. Um, But that just, and, and you'll get to Chris Dewar's point in a minute. Thinking that they did come into this game, thinking that they would just walk over Camp Point Central, like that's a disservice to what Camp Point Central yeah. did. And that's a disservice to the program that Camp Point Central has been for years. So, yeah. no, I, I I don't think it was an upset because this is a really good program, undefeated, the number one seed. How about if they won was being an upset? Like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Unex- I obviously again, unexpected, maybe. Yeah. Unexpected, yeah. but yeah. no, not an upset. Um, I obviously, I, I, I can't
0: put myself in, you know, in their position, what they were thinking, walking onto the field the other day, but reading the quote from the, um, you know, from St. Louis today, from the newspaper coverage down that way. Um, the quote from deer Hill, Jr., the running back, the very talented running back, his quote was, we made a mistake by starting off too slow they took advantage of it and it was hard for us to come back so i mean to a there certain extent yeah to a certain extent like whether they were overlooking camp point central or not he admits that they they were not they started too slow they weren't ready to go and camp point central jumped all over it mm-hmm. and by the time mm-hmm. they
1: by the time they blinked it was too late and that's not unique either to any program Teams start slow all the time so yeah. you know yep. um yeah again it, it's it, anything is just more credit to to camp point central putting their foot on the gas knowing that they had to take advantage of the opportunities and they got a lot of them and they took advantage of all of them to jump out to that early lead so no i again they were up 30 nothing upsets don't get to 30 nothing so this yeah. was just a really good camp point central team up against a good altoff catholic team and the better team won that's it that's all it is
0: yeah i mean i i will say that obviously i i you know, said that Camp Point Central was going to win this game. And the, and the reason I said that was because, to me, and obviously to anyone who's been following along, this Camp Point Central team is not like a flash-in-the-pan talented 1A school, right? Like, this is an established mm-hmm. program with a great coaching staff and kids that buy in and kids that execute, and they were playing at home. So all those mm-hmm. factors, I just loved. I, I thought that if there was going to be – and I almost, I said it right. I was almost said it right there. If there was going to be, you know, a team to knock off or upset this Belleville Altoff team, because of all the hype they had coming in, I thought this was a team that at home could get the job done because they would mm-hmm. execute and they would be ready to, you know, to get the job done. And they, and they did. So I, I don't know whether, whether it's an upset or not, I don't know if it makes any difference, but I did think that this Chris Dewar quote or his tweet was very interesting. He was there, he covered the game, and he had this to say in a tweet last night. His thought was interesting. And his tweet was, it's cute you all think Central's win over Altov wasn't an upset in retrospect. Because you're, proud of your, because you're proud of Coach Dixon, his staff, his program, his kids. I love the pride. But also, that, that is a disservice to the win to not acknowledge how much of a gap that coaching, heart, IQ, and grit overcame in this one. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. so I I do think there's something to be said on, on both sides of it that, you know, was it a quote unquote upset? No, not, not according to the seating. And when you start looking at, you know, the, you know, the team, the program, the camp point central is, as we pointed out, but I will say that, you know, when you start looking around the size of their line and the talent and their skill positions, like it, it takes a really you know, it takes a really great game. And they did, they played a great game. Now it was a perfect first quarter. That being said, I think that even if they hadn't done everything so perfectly in the first quarter, I still think camp point central could have come away with a five point win or a seven point win, or, you know, they, it could have been close and they still would have won the game.
1: Yeah. and I'm, I'm, I probably won't say exactly what I'm, I'm thinking. Cause I don't know how to put it into words, but like, Chris's tweet, you, you can look at it from from two different perspectives, right? People who say that it wasn't an upset that might be, let's say, Camp Point Central fans, right? They have that confidence about their own team, right? They have that pride about their own program. No, it, it wasn't an upset. Of course we were going to win, right? Yeah. I, I look at it from saying that it wasn't an upset to the crowd that thinks that it is, but yeah. using Chris's point that to assume that that game was an upset is also a disservice to not yes. acknowledging coaching, heart, IQ, and grit. So, again, I, I think both by saying that it – I don't think saying that it wasn't an upset is is not a bad thing. It's just in the perspective that you have and where what angle you're coming at it from because, again – you could have that confidence from the the CPC side be like, no, what you know, of course we won, but, and then to Chris's point, you're, you're kind of, uh, you know, underscoring the things you don't see all the time, but to say that it wasn't an upset because of those things you can't see, those are two sort of different narratives, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, and like, like to Dewar's point, he also tweeted that, you know, upset isn't an insult, you know, (laughs) like, that just to call it an upset doesn't mean that that's a, you know, a bad thing that like he joked that, you know, the family members of team USA back in 1980 absolutely thought that their kids could beat the Russian team. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so I think there's something to be said about, even if you call it an upset, it's still not necessarily an insult, but yeah, I think that you're right though. It, it, you want to make sure that credit is given here to this program. Like this is not a surprise that they can win a big game like this. So yeah. I don't know. Upset, not an upset. I don't know, but I just thought it was a fun discussion and it is a heck of a win, a great win for this program, yeah. especially in the way they did it is Is what makes it such a great win.
1: Yep. So, um, so yeah, they're moving on. Once again, I, though they'll, they'll be playing Greenfield Northwestern. I don't know anything about Greenfield Northwestern. They beat Cesar Valier 44 to 16. So I, I'm pretty sure Greenfield Northwestern is undefeated. So, Um, should be another great matchup there in the South semifinal. And we've got two really good games here and we'll have two really good teams into the, uh, the state championships next week. Uh, Mitch, what I do know about Greenfield
0: Northwestern is that there is a bit of a uniform battle here, a bit of a uni battle, the battle of the tiger claw helmet. So the, the paw or that, um, you know, logo that camp point central uses with a black paw on the gold helmet. Uh, Greenfield Northwestern is an orange helmet with a black mm. paw, very similar Harry to Byron. Byron. Yes, yeah, Byron. S. there you go. Um, both teams, twelve and zero, have had great seasons, and I believe that they are uh, they share the same conference, but on opposite divisions.
1: But I'm as, putting my as Camp Point Central.
0: Yes, I'm putting myself on the spot, but I believe that is correct.
1: Okay, let's take a look. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, Greenfield, Northwestern, the Tigers in the yeah, western, they come from the, the western Illinois Valley South. Yep. Yep. And then
0: Camp Point Central is in the western Illinois Valley North. They yep. did not play each other this season. So, no, will be the first time they're meeting up, obviously, because they're, uh, you know, because they're both 12 and 0. So right. Two o'clock at Camp Point Central. So what's interesting, we talked this whole, you know, last 20 minutes. Going on this tangent about upset or who is the favorite going into that last game. Now with that win, does that make Camp Point Central now the favorite in this game? And then potentially looking ahead, would they be the underdog again if they played Lena Winslow? I mean we're looking ahead. We're hypothetical here, but
1: yes. I, I think they would still be the underdog against lena winslow but that's that's a different scenario because you're playing the three-time defending champions yeah yep it's it's a completely different thing than playing just a good team with some skill players that might match up differently than you that's that's a different thing in my in my opinion um if if you were if, if gambling was a thing this the line in a camp point central lena winslow game would be pretty tight Yep, I think it'd be closer um, than last year. The, the over-under would be pretty low. So, but again, in, in that perspective or in that scenario, I do think Camp Point Central would be the underdog. But again, that's, that's not the same thing as an underdog yeah. against uh, a Bellevue All-Top. It's, it's two different yeah. scenarios.
0: But in this battle of 12-0 and teams in this state semifinal matchup, I think Camp Point Central is the favorite in this one.
1: Again, I don't know anything about Greenfield Northwestern, but looking at – just looking at what Camp Point Central does, the good team that they are, eight games, they've allowed eight or less. I mean – Yeah. And they average however many they average. I mean, they put up – they put up Byron numbers, 565 points this year on offense, so – and still haven't given up 100 points yet. So, um, yeah, I, I do like them in this game, and that's me going in blind, not knowing anything. Anything about the Tigers, but more so, I, I just I I want to see Camp Point Central, and Lena Winslow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it'd be the two, it'd be the two one seeds, the two most identical teams going up against each other once again. So um, maybe that's playing into my my predictions here, but yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. These are four really good teams, four deserving teams to be in the spot, and uh, two of those teams will be moving on.
0: Yeah, I think just quickly before we finish up on Camp Point Central, they're at home again which I really like. that atmosphere in the highlights I saw was electric. I mean, just the best, you know, that's the best of the best when you're talking small school football, that atmosphere looked so good. I think for the Panthers, for camp point central, for the coaching staff and the players, you can't get caught up in the win overall tough, right. For as, as mm-hmm. big as it was and as, as crazy as it was to, you know, hear that crowd roar in that moment to get that win you got to get right back to work here and not get caught up in the hype of that win. Cause you still got work to do. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, Brad Dixon and that coaching staff, that's what they do best. I think that they'll really, I'm sure as we're recording this, they've already hit the reset. They're already focused. So I think mm-hmm. I like camp point central at home in that matchup and man, I just, I can't see a team knocking off Lena Winslow, uh, you know, Right. Right. At this very moment, you know, next week, depending on if Lena Winslow wins, we'll see where we're at. But at this very moment, I think Lena Winslow moves on and they're they're playing for another state title. So, Mm -hmm. well, Mitch, unfortunately, that is the end of the teams, uh, you know, from our local coverage area. We talked about the eight man state title game with Amboy and Ridgewood. We talked about Lena Winslow. We still got some teams to talk about that didn't have quite the success or quite the uh, favorable outcome in the state quarterfinals, but we'll look back on those teams, talk about the great seasons they had and talk a little bit about the rest of the IHSA brackets. We'll take a quick break. Thanks some sponsors and we'll get into it. Brink sportswear offers totally custom made to order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for Sublimated and $120 for Tackle Twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors including wedding cake, Lemon Blueberry, Strawberry Milkshake, Snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. The Quad Cities' first and only fantasy football show, for fantasy's sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS and gambling advice between the Rock and Mississippi rivers. So tune into for Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11:30 a.m on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome back. We're going to get into class 3A now. A couple teams we had in this 3A bracket. They were going up against some powerhouse teams. It was Dupec going on the road to Byron and Mitch, it started good. Started well for the Rivermen, yep. but it wasn't. It wasn't going to last. The Byron Tigers get the win here, sixty-three to fifteen over Dupec. I mean, like I said, great start, but it just it didn't it couldn't hold on here.
1: Yeah, Nathan Folk returned the game's opening kickoff back for a touchdown to put Dupec up early, seven nothing. But yeah, it it didn't last long. Um, Byron star running back Caden Considine broke off a seventy-six yard touchdown on their first play. And uh, they got the two points, so they were up 8-7 early, and it was all Byron from there. Um, look, we, we talked about how tall the tall task this was for Dupec. It's, it's a tough draw, but the, we could be looking at Greg, like maybe one of the most dominant seasons in Illinois history if, if Byron keeps doing what they're doing. I mean, it's just – it's so impressive. that They're so talented. Um, and there's nothing to be sour about if, if you're Dupec, right? A 9-3 and three record, you have two playoff wins – um, against really good, really good opponents, uh, two big Northern opponents, and a uh, spot in the three A quarterfinals. So, you know, congrats to all of all of their seniors on their success. Another great year for the Rivermen, and uh, we 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 bid farewell for now, but we uh, look forward to seeing them in the fall.
0: Yeah, this this Byron team this year and this Byron program in general is just they're really hard to stop. Not many teams have been able to do it over the past you know few seasons. I saw the highlights. From Scott Lieber and WTVO out of Rockford, Caden Considine, man, he's the real deal. He looked really good in the highlights I saw. Byron advances to the semifinals for the fifth consecutive season, and they'll play Lombard Montini. So, Montini was going up against Princeton. They were the sixth seed. They get the win over the Princeton Tigers, the number two seed, 27-9. to The first half in this one, great smash mouth playoff football. Great start for Princeton. They never really let Montini get into rhythm early in this one. They had a 10-minute drive to close out the first half that ended with a Carlos Benavidez field goal as time expired to put the Tigers up 3-0 at the half. Mitch, I was excited. Like, you know, they held Montini in check in that first half. They got that field goal to grab a little bit of momentum. I was excited, and it just, you know, it it didn't hold on from there.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was really the Broncos who kind of came out with with quick halftime adjustments. They came out came out of the gate swinging. 70-yard touchdown run on the third play from Santino Florio. Give them their first lead of the game and I guess their last lead of the game. Um in in that second half there you had some just some moments that were backbreaking for Princeton. You had two fumbles um, that led to Broncos scores. Now there's now look I'm going to talk about this in a second with the onside kick. There was one that from the angle of the camera and the game presentation, which shout out Tiger Central live for another great year. Um, I don't, I don't remember if it was Etheridge or, or Christensen. I don't remember, but the, the back kind of falls with his back towards the camera. So you don't see the ball gets tackled, falls to the ground. And then all of a sudden Montini's acting like they got the ball. And the refs kind of talked about it for a minute and and pointed to Montini's direction. It looked to me from the, again, from the presentation that he was down, but you, I can't confirm that because you do not see the ball. Um, So that was, that was one. Again, they had two fumbles. Montini scored on both of them. And unfortunately for, for Princeton, for as, as good as they are, their playing style isn't too, it's not structured in a way to play from behind all that much because they do things, and especially in the game against Montini where they're, they're using clock. Those, these two teams are very similarly structured um, in terms of how they play the game. Montini doesn't pass a whole lot. They're, they're run first, much like Princeton is. So when, you, when you're going up against an opponent that's chewing clock like Princeton does, it's hard to come back from that. They couldn't get the pass game going, um, especially after they lost Noah Laporte in the first half. Um, so I, I, said something about the onside kick. Casey Etheridge ends up scoring with five minutes and 24 seconds left. I think at that time it was, was it 27, was it 27 to nine at that time? Or, or it might've been 20 to nine. I think it was 20 to nine at the time. Anyway, Princeton onside kicks it. They recover it. Refs th- throw a flag. They call illegal touching, which is essentially that they are saying that Princeton touched the ball prior to it going 10 yards, again, I didn't see it live. I didn't see them touching it before 10 yards. It's close. There's no doubt it's close, but I don't think there was enough evidence even in full time to, to say that it didn't go 10 yards. So again, they throw the flag, they give it to Montini and I think Montini ended up scoring the final touchdown on that, on that drive. So again, you're not going to, I'm not going to be the guy we've, we've complained about those types of guys before, but they were examples of just backbreaking momentum, stopping situations that Princeton, unfortunately got into. So, um, you know, look, and then that's, again, not to take anything away from Lombard Martini. They they played like the great program that they are. I didn't think that Princeton was overmatched in this game. You know? No,
0: it didn't. About. Yeah. It didn't look like it at all when I watched it.
1: Yeah. We, we don't need to talk about Martini playing in three because one, I think Byron's going to roll them, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but the Princeton, Princeton and Montini were, were really, really, this was a good football game. There's no question about that, especially in that first half, just two smash mouth programs going at it up against one another. I don't, I don't think Montini had the advantage in that regard, but when you have two even teams like this, it's going to come down to those, those turnovers or, or making the most out of, you know, the opportunities that you're given. And unfortunately for Princeton, it went Montini's way in this one.
0: Yeah, uh, disappointing, you know, loss here. This, you know, this Princeton team—they've ran up, ran up against IC Catholic a couple times, played them really well, and fell short in this one. The score wasn't as close, but they still—I felt like played Montini really well in this one, and just kind of a disappointing, you know, frustrating second half where they couldn't, you know, quite get over the hump and and, and get enough points on the board. Overall, Princeton and Dupec. To me, they're both, they're both going to be right in the mix next year. They're both gonna be in the conversation again with all the talent we've talked about that Princeton has returning and Dupec has Hoffman coming back and several other players. So I just think that these names aren't going anywhere. They're both well-coached teams, yep. you know, programs that have really established themselves. So I'm excited to continue to watch them. It didn't, you know, didn't go the way they wanted in this, you know, this round of the quarterfinals, this year in the quarterfinals, but uh, these teams will be back. And I think they'll be in that Mm -hmm. north half of the bracket again next year.
1: Yep. No question.
0: All right. Well, Mitch, one more team, one more game to cover from our local coverage area. And then we'll kind of get in some news and notes from around the brackets from around the state. We got to go to class seven. A Mount Carmel goes on the long road trip to Quincy to take on the blue devils. And, man, this Mount Carmel team showed that they're one of the best programs in one of the best conferences in the state. Yep. They really impressed in this one. They beat – they handily win this game over Quincy, a Quincy team that is fantastic, a great team. And it just shows you how good Mount Carmel was. They get the win 61-14. to 14. You know, for as much as we've talked about a basketball community that Quincy is, this year, we've seen it become an exciting football town. Mm-hmm. And, man, you looked at Flynn Stadium on Saturday afternoon. It's what we expected. It was a fantastic crowd there. Had to have been a fantastic atmosphere. Unfortunately, the game didn't really go, obviously did not go the way that Blue Devils fans or team were hoping.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, Quincy had, had given a couple of turnovers, um, a couple – couple of big penalties that gave Mount Carmel some better field position truthfully and, and no no shame to Quincy I don't I don't think it would have mattered too much Mount Carmel is is truthfully maybe the best team in Illinois any class right we talked about their only loss being to the top seed in 8 a by two points um, they're the 14 time state champs they, they have maybe the most tradition of, of any program outside of, of JCA in Illinois history but but um, this roster is is really really good. Um, their quarterback Jack Elliott had 369 yards and five touchdowns at the half. Um, I, I anticipate them. Uh, they've got. A, we'll talk about this in a minute. They got a great game against Batavia um, here in the semifinals. But this this takes nothing away from Quincy's season. And I, I, I from reading some some post stuff, I don't think the players feel that way either. You know, you saw a lot about how they they could see that that fandom, they could see the community at the field on Saturday and it, it choked them up a little bit to see the type of support that they've had all year. And it's well-deserved. This is two years in a row um, that they've, they've been to the playoffs. Certainly this is the furthest that they've gone in school history. So this is an absolutely incredible year for Quincy.
0: Yeah. I mean, what they, have what they accomplished this season is remarkable. I mean, we talked, in the Western big six preview show about, you know, here were all the goals and they were lofty, you know, Shuckman said it right away that he thought they would run the table. They could go undefeated in the regular season, which obviously had not been done since 1935. And he thought that they had a legit chance to make a run here in the playoffs. They do, you know, they make it to the state quarterfinals. That's another thing that had never been done. So just, you know, the, the history that they were able to accomplish here, you know, things that had never been done, you know, in Quincy high school history is great. And same thing as Princeton, same thing as Dupec. maybe even more so this Quincy team has nearly everybody back. So yeah, a lot of talent will be back. We'll be talking about a lot of the same names and Jarius Rice, Braden Little, and a lot of others. But you know, congratulations to the 22 Blue Devil seniors that led the way here and we're really a part of something special.
1: Yeah, no question. And I, I retweeted a a great article from Shuckman about, uh, it was his write up about the team kind of, this team kind of changing the perception and expectations for the Quincy blue double football program. So yeah, like you mentioned, um, most successful team in Quincy history, first quarter, final, first undefeated season since 35. And of course the WB six crown. So yeah, great, great season for them. And, uh, you mentioned it too. We're really looking forward to what they bring back. They'll be a favorite in the Western Big six next year.
0: Yeah. One senior that I want to give a shout out to Aiden Byquist, I yeah. mean, a remarkable career and the adversity that he's had to overcome. Last year, going back to a year ago, we were really excited about him being in the mix and being a contributor, and he gets hurt. I think in the first game of the regular first game of the regular season or in the off season, getting re- mm-hmm. practicing, I can't remember. it was really early on. Wiped out his whole season last year, but he's able to come back this year and contribute. So, you know, congratulations to him on being able to finish off his career with, you know, all the accolades that we just talked about.
1: Yeah. And he scored in this game too. I think it was a 55 yard touchdown pass from, from little. So yeah, great, great way to go out for him too. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm guessing that like we've talked about with some of those teams, uh,
0: this Quincy program they'll be right in the mix when we're talking favorites in the Western big six again, next year, they'll be on that. They'll be on the top of that list on the podcast next year.
1: Yeah. I think some, some things to, to uh, replace on the line, uh, but their playmakers will certainly be there. Some guys to uh, like Ty Douglas on the defensive side to replace, but uh, boy, they got a great core coming back. Really really looking forward to the blue devils already for next year.
0: Yeah. Kind of as a quick side note, Mitch, I do kind of want to just give a shout out to You know, coach Rick Little and the players on that, you know, on that team and Shuckman and Chris Dewar. And when we started this podcast, I'll admit, I mean, I'm, I'm from the Quad Cities area. So obviously I'm covering the Western big six. I've been covering the Western big six for a long time. You're from the Quad Cities area, very familiar with the Western big six, but Quincy's always the outlier, obviously, right? Like just because of distance alone. And so when we started this podcast, like I didn't have a whole lot of connections to Quincy. And I think that as this program has risen up and gotten better, and obviously this year doing all that they've done, it's been really cool to kind of make those connections, whether they're just virtually following along or seeing the followers we're gaining on Twitter and talking to Shuckman on a regular basis, talking to Chris Dewar on a regular basis. It's been really cool to kind of, you know, bridge that gap and, you know, make, make the state a little bit smaller and make that you know, mm-hmm. that trip between here and Quincy a little bit smaller. So I, I just, I love that part of it, right? Like kind of building this podcast community that we have from, we didn't really have a whole lot of connection to Quincy when we started, we we talked about them, but right. now it's fun to kind of have those, you know, make those connections. So.
1: Yeah, no question.
0: All right. Well, Mitch, you have done all kinds of homework here. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the news and notes from around the rest of the state, from around the rest of the brackets. Do we want to start? In Class Two A, we've already covered One A. We got that. We got that checked off the list here. But let's get into Class Two A. Some really good, great football was played in the Two A quarterfinals, leading into what is going to be a a great semifinal weekend.
1: So we talked about um, certainly the top seed Seneca coming off of that big win over Rock Ridge. They had the rematch with Wilmington. It was Wilmington's only loss of the regular season. Uh, This game goes to overtime, and Wilmington. uh, I, I don't. I think the, the highlight that I, I watched was the game winner. So they must have stopped Seneca on the first drive. But either way, maybe I'm completely wrong. Doesn't matter. Wilmington yeah. was 20 to 14 in overtime to get that revenge, revenge win over Seneca and, uh, and to move on where they will face a Moroa Forsyth team who is now 14 and 2 in the quarterfinals since 2004, which amounts to their 14th semifinal appearance in 20 years.
0: Wow. That is, that is impressive. Yeah. No
1: surprise that Marouille Forsyth
0: is in the mix this late in the season, but when you hear it spelled out like that, that is impressive. Uh, I saw the, uh, the times from, uh, from Ottawa, Illinois, Brian Hoxie wrote the article covering Seneca. He said it's one of the best high school football games he's ever covered. And he's seen a lot of high school football games. So wow. Wilmington. Yeah. So credit to Wilmington, getting the job done when it counts in the playoffs and and credit credit to Seneca. they, they surprised us a week ago and, you know, played some really mm-hmm. good football. They had a really good playoff run here. And it's like we talked about It's It's a difference of a few plays here or there that, you know, mean you're moving on or it's the end of your season. But either way, I think right. this was a well-played football game between two really good programs. On the other side of the bracket in the South, Athens survives against Nashville. The Hornets miss a 20-yard field goal as time expired to hold on for the win there. So Athens holds on for the win. Athens and Nashville, two programs that, you know, are in the mix this time of year. It's Athens getting the job done there. So what are we looking at in the, uh, two way bracket? Then you have.
1: Wilmington. Yep. You got Wilmington and Moroa Forsyth in the North. And then you've got Athens and Shelbyville who, uh, beat matter day in the South. Okay.
0: And another close game there. Shelbyville got the win, 28, 21. So, uh, Mitch, my uh, my dream season of uh modern day. I, I like them, and they mm-hmm. fall a touchdown short yep. there. So, yeah. All right, we talked about Class Three A.
1: Should we jump yep.
0: into Class Four A? What are we seeing around mm-hmm. the Four A bracket?
1: Well, we're seeing an, now this this one you, you maybe could call an upset. Um, Saint Lawrence Saint Lawrence knocks off Icy Catholic uh, on a touchdown with twenty one seconds left to play. Uh, the Vikings have been good all year, but again, you're, you're talking about an icy Catholic team that's yeah that's got the titles behind their name. So, a uh, great win for for Saint Lawrence there. You had uh, Wheaton Academy, who, who Chicago Hope beat. They're moving on to the 4A semifinals. They beat Sandwich, but Sandwich is a great story, Greg. They did not field a team last year. Uh, it went winless in the COVID spring, so they hadn't really played much or even won a game since 2019. They come back this year make it all the way to the 4A quarterfinals so so good on sandwich for a great season
0: yeah and looking at the southern half of this 4A bracket how about Murfreesboro, Mitch the Red the Devils did we we tweeted out we retweeted sorry reposted on X the no. uh, <laughs> I always love it because it gets you oh, no. it gets no. you going so we uh we shared the video. That what a remarkable finish to that one. Describe that one for us.
1: Well, and we, we even got some context from the uh, the Murfreesboro uh, Twitter feed too. That uh, Harrisburg had taken the lead here with under a minute to go on a fourth down play on a hail mary. So Harrisburg had the lead. Um, Murfreesboro gets the ball back, drives all the way down. I do not know how long this play was. It didn't look like
0: really far, like maybe thirty,
1: like thirty yards. I was just say like 30, 30, 30, yep. 35 yards. No time on the clock. Uh, Quarterback throws it down uh, the—I guess I don't know which sideline—throws it down the sideline, and it's—it's a perfectly lofted ball, just over the outreached hands of a a Harrisburg defender, and into—I didn't catch the player's name, but into the hands of the Murfreesboro player, right, right there next to the (laughs) to the uh, out of bounds line. So Murfreesboro gets the win. It was—it was a great, uh, a great play. Um, Look. Let's be honest, not taking away from the, from the player, the win. It's pretty bad defense. Can't be, (laughs) can't let, or can't let uh, offensive players get behind you in a situation like that, but not taking away from uh, from that win. Exciting game there. No question.
0: Um, I will say the Harrisburg defender. I saw a screenshot, a picture of that play. He jumped about three, four feet off the ground. I mean, he, he was high in the air. He gave it everything he had and came up inches short of knocking that ball away falls right in the hands of the Murfreesboro wide receiver catches the touchdown. And I will say really cool moment. When you watch the video, obviously crowd goes crazy. Players go crazy. Murfreesboro celebrating the defender fell on the ground, landed pretty hard and obviously Mm -hmm. they lost the game. So he's pretty defeated at the point at that point, not to mention probably banged up from just the fall several Murfreesboro players went over to him first before celebrating with their team. Thought it was really yeah. cool. So really, really nice moment there. What a win for Murfreesboro, Mitch, Murfreesboro is down in my old stomping grounds in Southern Illinois, but I, yeah. I know I've been to Murfreesboro basketball games back in Oh four and 05 When I was covering uh, sports there down South, but I don't think I ever went to a Murfreesboro football game. And I looked up, they were, I believe, zero and nine both seasons. I was down in Southern Illinois, so not much excitement back then for Murfreesboro football. They certainly flipped that script now. So
1: Murfreesboro will be hosting one of Illinois' premier programs in Rochester here in the four A semifinals in the South.
0: Yeah, so uh, a thrilling win, and it would take probably what I would consider a upset to get to get That's past. Uh, upset. Yeah, it's probably an upset. Yeah, yeah, to get past Rochester, it is the one in the two seeds. But Rochester's the one seed, and as we've seen, they are pretty accustomed to this time of year. Although it's been a couple of years, right, for Rochester?
1: I was looking at that because I was I was wondering like how many years that they've been this far. But yeah, they've they've fallen in the second round or the quarterfinals the past couple of years. But they had that great run of eight titles in ten years, not too uh, not too long ago. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking
0: of programs that are dominant this time of year, should we jump into Class Five A?
1: Yep.
0: All right, so here we go. Joliet Catholic got the win over Morris. Mitch Morris was a great team this year and this one wasn't even and this one wasn't even close. Joliet Catholic gets the win 49 to 7. So that sets up a fantastic matchup. Another great matchup in class 5A, Joliet Catholic Academy against Providence Catholic. Two schools that are right next to each other, longtime rivals. They've met in the playoffs before recently. But this is always a fantastic game, regular season, postseason, anytime you can get it. So this one ought to be exciting.
1: Yep, and it'll be exciting on the other side too. You have Nazareth who started 0-4. They win once again, this time a go-ahead touchdown pass with under a minute to play. They will play a team that we I spoke highly of last week when they beat Sterling, Wheaton St. Francis. They continue to roll. So you've got Wheaton St. Francis, Nazareth. JCA and Providence Catholic, so that's a really, really star-studded 5A semifinal uh, grouping.
0: Yeah, that's a really intriguing matchup there. We've obviously seen what Wheaton Saint Francis can do when they got the win over Sterling, but yeah, that uh, that Nazareth Academy team, Mitch, I believe you called them my Nazareth Academy team a couple weeks ago. When yeah,
1: <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were high on them, no question. They got one of the most exciting uh, quarterbacks in the in the state. So yeah, well, good, it's a, a good it's. Team. A, Crazy story. They were 0-4,
0: and and
1: now here they are. So,
0: uh, the Roadrunners. So, interesting, yeah. Interesting matchups all the way around there. And some good good uniforms. We are in. That's a tease ahead. Great uniforms. Next week, one of the most anticipated podcasts of the season will be the Uniview podcast, the state championship Uniview, where Mitch and I, Mitch, we're going to go through every state championship matchup. And base our p- predictions strictly on the look of the uniforms.
1: Do we do we have to get permission for pictures this year? We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to figure out how that's going to work.
0: So, uh, yeah, that's that's a work in progress. But nevertheless, yeah. we will be talking about the the matchups in the uniform fashion. Right. All right. So we got six A. We already talked 7A, but first we'll get into 6A here. You got Lake Zurich. Yeah,
1: we, got some, we got some things to talk about with 7A, but yeah, 6A. Um, looking more likely like a Cary Grove-East St. Louis rematch in the title game. They're, they're not playing the semifinals, but just the way that both teams have been playing. Cary Grove has a running back that I think averages 15 yards a carry. Like, it's just absurd. Okay. Um, they play that triple option attack, and they're just yep. really, really good. So, looking more like that might be the state uh, title game, but... Uh, I think it's East St. Louis. They have to play Washington, which is a cool story. Um, they've got a great decal on their helmet um, in, in remembrance of this. They're playing in the tenth season since the devastating tornado that hit their community. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a great, great run for them. And you know, those those kids were little, and uh, to to having having this sort of success on the on the football field is really cool for for everyone involved there.
0: Yeah, that's a really cool story. And, uh, you know, looking on the other side with the potential of Cary Grove meeting up with East St. Louis again, don't want to look too far ahead, but man, that was one of the best high school football games I've ever seen watching that state championship game on TV a couple years ago when Cary Grove yeah. pulled off what was considered a huge upset.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know much about Lake Zurich. so they're, the, they're the top seed here. But um, as I mentioned, Cary Grove has just been taking it to opponents with that that style of attack. So yeah, um that that'd be a really fun matchup if it's Kerry Grove and East St. Louis once yep. again. All right. We talked about Quincy in 7A, but Mitch, break down the rest of 7A for us. So yeah, we talked about Mont Carmel plays Batavia in the semifinal. That's actually the rematch of last year's 7A title game. um I don't know why I put em- emphasis on 7A. I should have done on the title <laughs> game. Um, yeah, because they're the title, back game, the in 7A. Years. Yeah, right. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um that was a really fun game last year in the title game so they get that, that rematch here in the semis uh the top seed is normal community they trailed 28 to 14 in their matchup and and then scored 31 unanswered in the second half uh who did they play against um uh, Glenn Bardese. so they keep that train rolling uh Normal community for the top seed. They've they won their second round game by one. They had to come back here in the quarterfinals, and now they'll play Downers Grove North. So you've got uh, Normal Community, Downers Grove North, and then as mentioned, Batavia and Mount Carmel in 7A. Yeah.
0: I mean, just from what I've seen from Mount Carmel, I think they got to be one of the favorites to uh, to get yeah. into that state championship game. Bat- really Batavia
1: is good. Batavia is good. That should be a fun game.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right anything else otherwise
1: we finish up with 8a no nothing but 7a 8a you've got the top seed probably the best team not not probably the best team in the state loyola academy they'll play york for the second straight year in the semifinals. Um, if, if they win there um and if lincoln way east wins their game uh, that would also be a rematch of last year's 8a title game between can you
0: emphasize can lincoln you way. emphasize the 8a
1: please they're playing an 8a this year <laughs> Yes, they did last year <laughs> So you have got you. Uh, so once again you've got Loyola playing against York and Lincoln Way East plays Barrington all right there we go anything about Barrington I don't even know where it is
0: no I think I knew I think I knew a girl in college that went to Barrington high school so Barrington mm-hmm. so there you go
1: let's take a look uh, uh Barrington Broncos the three seed in 8a they play in the mid suburban. So they I mean it's Chicago. They play Hoffman Estates, Schomburg. Uh so yeah,
0: sure. Only only There'd other thing there. I know as I'm thinking about it, the only other thing I know about Barrington and the Broncos is that uh Ray Nairo the third went there. He was their quarterback mm-hmm. several years ago, and now yeah. he is on Northwestern. So he's not a quarterback. He's moved from quarterback to like wide receiver, slot receiver in college,
1: but there you go. Well, as always, if you're looking for information on 8A football, go somewhere else. <laughs> but Mitch, if you're looking for
0: information around the state, you had it covered here. If you If you like what you've heard here, I got to give a little background and credit where it's due here. I'll do the heavy lifting when it comes to editing and getting this podcast posted. But Mitch, you're doing yeah. all the heavy lifting in the podcast prep. Anything you heard here, almost all of it, 90% of what you heard tonight has all been prepped by the one, the only Mitch stormer. So, uh, you know, if you're in your car, if you're listening on your, uh, you know, pod device, give a little clap, give a little round of applause for Mitch
1: stormer. Admittedly it's much easier now because there's not as many games. Um, that's true. It's, <laughs> it's a lot harder in the regular season, but, um, and two, like, especially on Saturday when all of the games are kind of going on at the same time, the, the timeline is filled with these, like all, all, you know, when we went through the brackets there and a lot of those games had close finishes, all those were kind of coming in at the same time. So it was kind of easy to follow in that sense. So yeah. um, It does take a lot of work to, to put this, this show together. Um, but admittedly it's, it's a little bit easier in playoffs because we're not covering as much games, but uh, it, it's fun nonetheless. want to make sure we get it right. And uh, you know, we, hope to be covering a team in, uh, in Lena Winslow in the state championship game so we can have uh, another fun episode next week.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Well, you say that it was easier because we covered it. We had less teams to cover, but yet you went through and broke down brackets two a through eight a. So, I mean, you but, know, but again, it's, it's less games.
1: <laughs> bracket. I'm not, you know, didn't do that in rounds one or two, but yeah. Uh, again, there was a lot of good football, a lot of good, great finishes across the state. So that's, that's the joy of of this time of year. And uh, again, the season's no different. Yep. Well, I love it. I appreciate your dedication. And
0: I know the listeners do as well. So good luck to you... the fans in Barrington with all That's... of that. <laughs> that we have. That's right. So good luck to Lena Winslow in their semifinal matchup against Hope Academy. And best of luck to the Amboy Clippers and the Ridgewood Spartans. You know, we're hoping for a great game in that one. Either way, our area, our coverage area of eight-man football is well represented in that state title game. Really happy for both those programs. Hoping for a great one. We'll be watching. We'll be following along on that one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe an instant reacts after the eight-man game. I think we have done that in the past. So, not Kyle comm- going. I believe, yep, Kyle will be there. Not committing yeah. to anything, but maybe we could do that.
1: Yeah. Um well we'll see what depending happens. on but your regardless. depending on
0: your uh you know your family schedule and what what athletics are happening on friday night right, so. right.
1: um but yeah regardless we'll uh, we'll be tweeting out yep. the game as it happens but hopefully uh, again um our, our listeners and our followers will be watching the game uh, alongside with us so yep. we'll make sure we tweet out that link and uh, make sure you have uh, have a way to watch it
0: Yep. Either way. Thank you to everyone who listens, who follows along. We encourage you to share our, you know, repost, retweet, whatever you do on Twitter these days, get our information out there, spread the word about this podcast. Let them know you're listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the eight man state championship game. And we're talking about Lena Winslow. Hopefully we're talking about them moving into another state championship game. We'll see you next week. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along, and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter, at Pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.